We are back after a few-week hiatus. Myself, Ben Rigetti, alongside my co-host, Sebastian Pereira, would like to welcome all of our listeners back to the 90 Plus podcast. Hope everyone is keeping safe, keeping their social distance, and staying happy, you know, during these rather difficult and uncertain times. Sebastian, welcome back to our individual recording studios, if you will. <laughs> it's great to be back. I mean, it's been a while. Um, we've had, I don't know how many weeks of of a very much a break, but of course we've been busy uh, finishing up school. Ben, uh, ben graduates on Friday officially, so congrats, Ben, Thank on you. Uh, coming Thank all this way and and we're really excited to see what you do in the future, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a weird time to be graduating for sure. But you know what? We'll figure it out one step at a time, just like the MLS is doing, like the Whitecaps is doing, like everyone really across the world is doing, especially, not especially, but including the world of sports where it's, you know, we're starting to see some improvement. Obviously, the K-League is back. The Bundesliga will be back this weekend i saw syria is looking for a return in the next couple of weeks and the mls including the whitecaps are slowly starting to get back a to some sort of normality a couple of players uh group a i believe it's it is called for the whitecaps came back to individual tryouts not tryouts workouts at uh the national soccer development center at ubc yeah i think a lot of players have really been itching just to get out there and sort of scratch that itch with uh, soccer and we've been meaning to scratch. And then scratch that itch off their hair too right <laughs> yeah um for those of you that don't know i uh i fell to some peer pressure from a couple of friends and i got a buzz cut and this was early into quarantine so i didn't try to ride it out i you know cut the hair and it's growing back quick i've I have opted to go for a hat for the last two months, <laughs> and I think for the next little while it's going to stay that way. But, you know, we're all getting through this in our own individual ways. Thanks. Respect the sun. Respect the sun. Absolutely. So, you, gotta um, see the, like, you, you look at the photos from the Whitecaps training yesterday, and there's, like, certain players like Gutierrez and Nerwinski who, who, like, have this massive bulk of hair on their heads it's crazy <laughs> i'm just excited to see what russell tybert comes out with he's no stranger to a unique haircut oh, yeah. so he's looking forward to that one for sure and just look so you guys can look forward to the rest of the show we're just gonna have a quick little rundown before we really dive into things we're gonna me and sebastian gonna take you through just kind of the last few weeks and everything sort of white caps so a lot of the stuff with the aquarium and just kind of how the white caps have been doing uh, between social media and their, their own players themselves in isolation. Um, and then later on in the show, we've, uh, we're going to start doing this in the, the next few episodes. We're going to come up with a, a list or a countdown of Whitecaps players in the last 10 years, or really since they've been in the MLS for different categories. And today's, I'm very excited actually for this one. I think Sebastian is too. We are doing top five Whitecaps busts or flops or really just players that didn't pan out the way fans and staff had hoped. So that's coming up a little bit later in the show. But um, I think really like to, to kick the show off to uh, I don't know, a sort of a second kickoff almost um, the, the aquarium and the face masks and all the work the Whitecaps have done. I think that's really been a huge, huge bright spot here for Vancouver during the quarantine uh i've got a couple of numbers within the first three days they already sold over a million dollars worth of products uh, and they announced about a week ago that they'd uh they've made and shipped uh or in the process of shipping over a hundred thousand masks to people all across the uh, all across canada all across the world they saw uh, united kingdom denmark uh all over europe and australia so People worldwide getting behind to support the aquarium. That's obviously the cause to help feed the animals, keep staff on and everything. It's, it's a, an expensive operation. So for the Whitecaps to you know, lend a hand and to really dig in their heels and to put on this initiative for the community, I think it's a really good look for Vancouver. No, for sure. It really is. And you can see how much it's, it's brought the city together as well. Um, of course, I don't think there's been any other sports team in the city that's done something like this. And it was a really good PR move uh, on the Whitecaps hand to partner with the aquarium. Of course, um, the aquarium was going through a really tough time. They, they were losing a lot of money. 
um, and they weren't being able to play their pay their employees. Um, so it's a great move by them. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how many people can relate to this, but um, me growing up in Vancouver, um, I, w- I would go a lot to the aquarium and I would go and see all the animals. Um, it, it, w- it was a great time, of course, and it, it would really be a shame to see the aquarium die down like this in a situation like this. So it's a great move for the Whitecaps and um, I'm sure a lot of kids out there are happy that they're supporting the aquarium with these masks and they're actually really high quality masks. So, um, of course, keep helping out and, and buy the face mask, save the aquarium. Yeah, definitely. I mean, these guys, I mean, these are the masks that a lot of the white cats players showed up to training wearing, you know, they're high quality, they're athletic, they're breathable. And I think that's really what they're kind of going for that whole sort of almost like obviously Lululemon is a Vancouver company and sort of something along those lines, if you will, just that sort of, athleisure sort of comfortable but athletic sort of wear so i think they really hit it spot on and especially partnering with someone like the aquarium who like you said it, it it's it's a place that you know growing up you go there with your family or on school trips and everything so for the white caps to you know throw their hat into the ring and say you know we want to help keep this going and also i mean it's not they're making masks for you know just anything it's you know obviously we are in a pandemic masks at a few weeks ago we're at a shortage and everything and even still like they're not the most easy thing to obtain so for vancouver to come out here and for its fans and for its community to come out and say you know what we're here to help what can we do and i think this mask was really uh they they hit it out of the park yeah for sure and um just moving on from that uh, not only did they do the uh the mask stuff but they also did the uh support the food bank uh painting yeah. That. Um, so they have two variants, of course. They have the colored version and they have the uh, blue and white version. And it's it's a nice touch, of course, to just partner with uh, the food bank and and just try and help out. Of course, um, everyone across the city is just trying to help out at this point and make sure we can um, make the situation a lot better and really just help each other get through this thing. Of course, there's still a long way to go and, and we just need to continue on this path and so it's a, it's a great move again by the white caps to partner with um a local company and a, a big local company as well the food bank um just to try and raise awareness across the, the city and and um show their support for people in need and sebastian i'm going to take everyone back uh to the start of 90 plus podcast i think it was on the first episode where you talked about you know what would be a successful season for Vancouver. And obviously the season's been a little bit uh, sideways so far, but I said one thing that Vancouver would really need to do is establish an identity and really redevelop its fan base. Because, I mean, a lot of people have sort of tailed off a little bit over the last couple of unsuccessful years. Doing the stuff with the food bank with the painting and the aquarium and you know they've been very you know positive and active on social media i think all that sort of stuff that's really kind of drawing a lot of people and a lot of attention back to vancouver for the white cap oh, obviously yeah. for the white caps i mean you look at i don't want to point fingers but i know the canucks they haven't really gone out of their way i haven't seen their names in the uh news that much same with say the lions and everything and whereas the yeah, white caps they, I, I can uh, agree with you they were in a spot like, they really um, needed to, you know, grab a hold of their fan base. And this, obviously, when there's no soccer, it's a bit more difficult. But they've done an absolutely great job at sort of reestablishing that identity and that sort of connection with the fan base. Yeah, of course. I, I think just going back to your point on, like, um, the whole se- the season as a whole, I think you could arguably say that it's been a really good season off the field in terms of what the Whitecaps have been able to draw their fan base um, and just support the city and and make continue making a connection with the fans of course as you said we've lost that bit of connection with the fans a bit um in the past couple years there haven't been as good of the performances we've really thought of and um i know you also think about the inclusions of schuster into the mix and Mm -hmm. um mark Mark panis yeah so it's it really has been a good season off the field for the whitecaps Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, even before the season started, like you said, bringing in Panas and Schuster just gave it that more sort of, 
you know, professional structured sort of feel and just that alone before bringing in the players and before, you know, releasing the, you know, the really attractive new wave kit and the, the hoop jersey and everything. I know the hoop jersey was last year, but really just kind of bringing those guys in. It just gave the whole club a bit more of a, okay, you know what, we're serious. We're going to knuckle down. We're really going to kind of establish something here that we, that we want to make great. And off the field, I, I mean, obviously they can't do it on the field, but off the field, they've done a great job of that in 2020. Of course, yeah. I thoroughly agree with you. Um, you could probably even go as far and say they've been one of the top clubs in MLS with fan engagement. I mean, probably, I'm sure LAFC is, a, is pretty close up there. Um, mm-hmm. Atlanta. Or um, I've seen Orlando's been doing quite a bit. Orlando, yeah. I mean, it is a period where every club needs to continue that connection with their fans, but I think the Whitecaps have been at the top of Major League Soccer in, in that category, one of the top teams for sure. So that is off the fields, but in the pipelines, the MLS is saying that we could see actually a return to MLS play on the fields in the not-too-distant future. Plans have sort of been uh, put out there to play all, all MLS teams, all their bases, move to Orlando and play on neutral fields, uh, obviously with no fans uh, and minimal you know, staff and everything, but you know, get the players, the coaches, training staff out there down to Orlando. Uh, me and Sebastian, we did a quick you know, look at Orlando's COVID numbers uh, just before this started. And uh, obviously uh, throughout America, it's America's one of the best of situations right now. Um, Orlando, in compared to the rest of Florida, is in a pretty good spot. Um, obviously, the heat it makes the diff- it difficult for the virus to spread, and there will obviously be extensive testing and retesting and retesting of players to make sure they're fit, they're healthy, they don't they're not carrying the virus. So, Sebastian, what are your thoughts on you know, uh, you know, not too too far away from seeing MLS play actually back on the field down in Orlando? I mean, it, it, it's obviously great to know that the league is considering every single aspect um, to make sure they get this right. And, of course, it, it'd be great to just see the players back on the field, um, just see some some regular MLS action. Um, I know I've been missing it. Uh, of course, a lot of people have too. I'm sure you have been as well. Um, but it's, it's definitely a, a very interesting situation in terms of flying all the teams out to Orlando and trying to get all these little things right because there's when you think about it there's a lot of little things that could go wrong and a lot of little things that the league and every single club has to get right in order for this to go through um as ben said we we both talked about it prior to the to recording the podcast and we looked at the numbers and everything and i mean i i don't know i i honestly don't know how it would work because you obviously got to think about hotels you got to think about um how the the players are going to get fed as well um, and how they're going to have to limit that, I guess, six feet radius too. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, the players here, as we, as we use the Whitecaps as an example, they, they were six feet away from each other at all times yesterday in training. They didn't even go into the training center and um, go into the locker room or anything like that. They just came to practice with all their gear on and, and they just stayed, uh, six feet away from each other at all times um, besides the test they had, the small test they had before going into training. So there, there is a lot um, to consider for if this were to go down in Orlando. Um, I guess uh, I'm, I'm really at a point where I, I don't know how it would go. Uh, I've, I've what, what do you think, my, Ben? I don't know. I, I've pulled up the uh, proposed schedule of like what it's going to look like for the next month or two months or so. So they're saying begin training in Florida on June 1st, individual only. So like we saw at uh, UBC yesterday and today and the coming days. Um, so yeah, so individual workouts. Uh, and then in about two weeks, or more than that, uh, a few weeks time on June 8th. So a week after they arrive in Florida, you get into small group training. Then a week after that, June 15th, full training. And then they're hoping to start games by either june 22nd or around the july 1st mark uh teams would play uh at least five games in a month uh uh and yeah obviously no spectators neutral fields uh 
at uh, near near Disney World down in uh, Orlando, ESPN's Wide World of Sports. They have a plethora of fields there, and you know, high quality uh, facilities and everything, which obviously won't quite be the same as you know teams as home grounds and such. But I mean, it's when you've put twenty six yeah. teams into a neutral environment, it's exactly you're going to take what you're going to be able to get. So uh, yeah, I, I like I really like the idea. I just think. I mean, you look at what some of the other leagues are doing. The K League uh, in Korea, they they don't they don't have this one neutral location. They'll just go all around and play uh, in front of no fans, and it's eerily quiet. I've taken up the support of Incheon United actually, and I've watched one of their games. And um, yeah, no, it's 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 a, it's weird watching it with no fans. It's it's quiet. You can hear the players talking and the. The, the sounds of the game, just the ball being kicked and everything. But in terms of the actual safety behind it all, I'm not sure if putting 26 different clubs into Orlando, even though if it is obviously spread out and games will obviously be played on different uh, fields and days and such, I just don't know if, you know, injecting that many people into an environment where all it takes is one and then the league is shut down again. You know, any progress they've yeah. made, that's it done. Or if yeah, you're looking in Korea, or like they have what they have, what they're going to have in Germany, if someone gets it, I mean that team might be uh, obviously that team will be tested and everything, but it won't all be in one place. You know, they'll still be able to fly and drive and whatever across the country to their away games and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not sure if you know piling all these people into one. I I like the idea, and I think there's definitely a way that they can do this, and I want to hear a lot more details before i can say yes they should or no they shouldn't but um i think there's there's definitely a way to do this which i think really that's what the mls is just looking for they just want an opportunity to show that they can do this they can handle it and they can be the first of like the north american leagues to get back into action yeah of course um i have to agree with you like i i I can't really agree fully to it i like the idea um, and obviously, we all want MLS to come back. We all want to see the Whitecaps back on the field again. Um, but it just has to be done right because as soon as one player in the entire league contracts the virus, even a staff member too, um, or a media member of each club, a club official or whatever, contracts the virus, then everything just shuts down. Shuts down again, and you have to start from from uh, square one. From the yeah, from square one again. So. I don't know. It just it's it's a tough situation, really, because you have to consider what's going on in the U.S. right now. Um, it's mm-hmm. not looking as good as it is here in Canada. Of course, there's still cases here and there in Canada, but in the U.S., it's quite something. So, um, I don't know if maybe an alternate option would be to bring all I... the teams to a Canadian city, maybe like. Mm-hmm. I don't know where exactly. Well, what, what, I don't know how much we're in Toronto are doing right now. One thing that I, I know uh, Quebec is uh, rather struggling in numbers. So I think try, yeah. I, mean, I don't think Ontario is doing all too well. I don't know specifically about Montreal and Toronto, but I know as provinces as a whole, it's uh, it's BC is is looking pretty good compared to other places in this great country, Canada. Um, one thing I have seen, and I really like what the NHL is doing, obviously the Hockey League, um, they're looking for about six or eight hub cities where players can go and play their games. And I think the mayor of Vancouver, he put Vancouver forward saying, no, we're more than happy to host. They've got facilities like Rogers Arena, Pacific Coliseum, the Langley Event Center, the Abbotsford uh, Event Center. They've got numerous facilities all across uh, the low, they've got one of the best airport. I, th- I saw actually YVR, Vancouver's airport, got ranked the number one airport in North America for the 11th straight year today. Oh, wow. So, you know, we've got a, a world-class airport, and he's, he, he's, he's, been, he's pretty confident that if there's anywhere that... And obviously, you have to look at the numbers and how the city is doing and everything in terms of numbers for COVID cases and deaths and everything. And Vancouver and BC is doing fairly well compared to the rest of north america so i quite like that idea of like having basically like in the mls's case like six orlandos like all across canada and the u.s where you know numbers are good and everything and put uh you you just play like say four or five games in orlando and then say four or five games in uh 
maybe Real Salt Lake, you know, or uh, where, wherever it may be, like kind of splitting it up and having, you know, playing almost like a circuit, like five games in one spot, then move to another safe location, have another five or six. I quite like that method. And if the NHL does go ahead with that, I think that would be the model to chase after for the MLS. Yeah, probably. Um, I, I, I like that idea a lot better too. Um, because of course, there's obviously less people that go into it. And if you're going to have like the five or six hub cities, there's going to be less people around you. And mm. I'm sure the league uh, NHL is going to make sure that if that goes through, obviously that um, they'll take all the precautions and make sure that it's obviously safe and mm. like, and like safe, like capitalized safe. Right. Um, so they'll definitely take that into account. So I'm, I'm sure if the NHL does follow up with that, maybe MLS takes a look at that and maybe talks to the NHL for some advice. And and who knows? It's it's really just a matter of of getting things right. And although we all want everything to come back and we all want to go back on uh, turning on our, our televisions to watch SportsCenter, NHL, MLS, um, it's just a matter of getting everything right. And although we, all, we want it back quickly, it's it's better to take things slowly and make sure every league gets this right so we can enjoy a longer season in the future. Well, two players that, you know, regardless of what happens with the MLS, whether we do do these whole 26 teams in Orlando or whether there's, they adapt what the NHL might be doing in these hub cities, regardless of that, a couple of Whitecaps players that has taken a, a little bit more time off. Uh, we said, obviously, an extended off-season, and you can add two weeks for Yordi Reyna and Yasser Kamiri, uh, violating team rules, breaking contact, uh, not really completely respecting social distancing, which obviously we do not recommend. We do not say, go out and do this, just because <laughs> a couple of Whitecaps players are out doing that. So, yeah, so they've been... Uh, What's the not withdrawn, but um, just they won't be included in team activities and workouts for the next two weeks. Yeah, um, of course, as many of you know by now, um, Jasser Kamiri and Yordi Arena were both spotted um, at a park in downtown Vancouver, um, breaking the physical distancing protocols. They were playing soccer with a. Uh, uh, just a bunch of people there they got into a game and unfortunately for both of them um, specifically Jordi Reyna he was actually featured in a global BC story um, in the background you could see Reyna just playing in the background with with the uh, with the people there and that kind of really just exposed them the Whitecaps were made aware of the situation and they obviously had to take action um, I think one thing that stood out to me from what Axel Schuster said was um, they, they like, of course they have to take into consideration the player and everything. But um, the thing is Reina and Kamiri did do a wrong thing. Obviously they can't do this right now. It's the yeah. least they have to do. Um, but I really like that Axel Schuster was very open with um, making sure they could get this out they were like we want to make this public because we don't want anyone else to do it we want to set an example for not only our players not only the league but also our city as well so that really stuck out to me that they wanted to make this public as quickly as possible and just um take care of the situation and um yeah basically just give rain and Kamiri what they deserve which is a two-day or two-week quarantine i think mm -hmm. It will obviously um, set an example for kids and um, and obviously young adults um, across the city. So it's a good move by the Whitecaps to take care of that quickly. Something I should point out was like the Anthony Blondell situation that came out a couple weeks ago. Yes. And apparently that happened all the way back actually in early May. So like around two years ago at this time. Uh, Blondell went through whatever he went through and the club knew of it but they never made it public so you can see that Schuster and Panis are working to make sure they get things right as quickly as possible they want to change everything as we talked about earlier in this episode um, it's a win for the Whitecaps off the field as well 
um, that they want to make sure they build that identity and make that connection with the fans um, and really just take care of things as quickly as possible. That Blondell situation happened two years ago and we were only just made aware of it. Um, so it's it's crazy how a lot long can pass mm. by without letting people know of it. So it's a great move by the club to obviously make this public. I, I like that you brought in the uh, Panas and Schuster saying, you know, we've got to prove our point here. We've got to let people know that we're not letting our players come out and do this. I like that you went that route because I'm going to take it a little differently. Yordi Reyna and Yasser Kamiri are two players that especially uh, Yordi Reyna cannot afford to have these sorts of slip-ups. You're looking at Yasser Kamiri, he's a centre-back. Uh, he's fighting for playing time at the moment. You've got Andy Rose, who had a, uh, a great game against uh, the Galaxy before the season was suspended. He was in looking really good form. Cornelius, they brought just brought in Veselinovic. You know, there's a lot of players in that centre-back spot. And Kamiri... There might was, be another one coming in. There might be another mm -hmm. one coming in, too. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. Well, I've saw. I've seen stuff about that. Uh, yeah, it was some guy from a Dutch league, I think. We'll have um, more, you know, c coming weeks. If that if something comes of that, you know, we'll be, we'll be bringing. We'll be all that over up. that. Yeah. Yeah. But um. Yeah. If you're looking at Kimiri, he's further down the depth chart than uh, he might like to be. And if he's trying to make a name for himself, you know, he should be coming to practice and fighting hard, winning the ball. And doing all this stuff he can't do that if he's stuck in quarantine at home for breaking team rules you know that's a bad bad look on him and he's in a fighting position Jordi Reyna I mean you've got you looking out wide at the wingers that they they brought in Milinkovic they brought in Dahomey uh, Theo Bear is starting to emerge a little bit more Jordi Reyna he likes to play outside he likes to play inside uh and Raposo, he had a. We saw the impact he had back. If you can remember that Galaxy game as well, he was a, a big part of that goal that uh, Saint Ricket scored. So really, uh, another player that you know he's he doesn't have a guaranteed spot in this roster. You know he's he's a good player and he, he I I like the way he plays every now and then. But he again is not a player that can afford to be you know breaking team rules and then for two weeks while other guys are coming to practice showing the coach you know they're still in good form you know they're still they've still got it. they haven't lost it they're committed to this team they're working hard that's sort Yuri Reina needs to be shown to Mark DeSantos and he can't show that if he's not there he's at home because he made a mistake same with the Astro Camiri and I'm sure they've learned this I've, I'm sure that you know the second that they found out you know the punishment they said you know what that's that's the right thing to do. We messed up. Our bad, but they cannot be yeah. saying our bad when it's halfway down the season and you're looking for fit, toned guys that are in form rather than you know Jordi Reyna, who uh, uh, a player that you know these extra couple of weeks. I mean, taking two months off after like a f maybe six weeks between preseason and the regular season. Uh, taking two months off, even more perhaps, and then jumping into things. You want to be, you know, in the top of your form so you can hit the ground running. And I don't think either of those guys, they're going to be a step behind all the players that have been going to practice for these next two weeks. And I think that is going to do a lot to them. If this season does start in about a month's time in Orlando, if that schedule that I read out earlier, if that comes out and is true, those guys are going to be down on the pecking order to get a starting spot or to get minutes because of stuff like this. So I think that was, uh, it was immature from them. And I'm sure they know this. And I'm sure, you know, they've apologized to the club and to the fans and everything. But I really think that this is a move that they, they're, they're only hurting themselves in this spot. Of course, yeah. I, I really like that you that you brought this up as well on the playing side of it. Because as you mentioned, Kamir and Reyna are not, I mean, they are, they are really good players, both of them. They have really good qualities to either of each other's playing style. And um, but they're not, they're not like, they're not guaranteed a spot every weekend, week out in the starting exactly. lineup. And so they have to, this is the, this is the exact situation that they shouldn't be in because they're both, they both started, um, the games earlier in March and February and, um, they both had decent preseasons as well. They were looking pretty sharp. Reyna was arguably probably one of the better players in the loss to Sporting KC. Yeah. And you go ahead and do this, it's crazy. It, it will definitely hurt them in the long run and throughout this year maybe. Of course, it's 
keep in mind, it's not the first time we've seen Jordi Reyna um, go out of his way and do something selfish. He has been involved with um, several other, um, I don't know how you say it, like um, accounts. accounts and stuff and a lot of different incidents um, before this. So if I'm Jordi Reyna, I'm kind of worried because it's not the first time I've been, um, mm-hmm. I guess, put into, like, given a punishment by the club. So I think this might, I mean, if, of course it hurts both Yasser Kamiri and Jordi Reyna, but I think it might even hurt Reyna more um, because maybe the club is like, does this he's, player he's really care about what we're trying to to establish here at the club? Does he really care about... Um, I guess setting an example as well, too. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, that's something that Axel Schuster and Mark Panis and Mark DeSantos even have all said, that they want players here that are proven, that they can play, of course, but they also want players that can that have that level of responsibility and that can really set an example for not only the players around them, but um, the community as well. Um, so for sure, it'll definitely hurt... Um, both of them, but I think it might hurt Reyna in the long run more. We'll see what Mark, happens with that. Maybe if, if he gets traded or who knows what happens, but um, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they, they bounce back and and they can put all this behind them and just focus on playing and hopefully the, the 14-day quarantine teaches them something, right? One one more point before we move on to our list of the top five busts for the Whitecaps in the MLS. We're just about to get even better. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know this podcast is going up and up. Uh, yeah, last point before we do move on. Um, we, we said, you know, just 10 minutes ago that uh, Panis and Schuster have done a really good job at, in, you know, uh, asserting this sort of culture, this professionalism in the club. And Mark DeSantos, you know, he doesn't look like a guy. And we've seen it. He's not a guy that, you know, takes any lip. He... He, he wants, you know, players to be, to fear him, but also respect him at the same time. And he's done a very good job at sort of maneuvering this, like, very difficult balance. And, you know, Schuster and Panas, they've came in. They've done a great job at building this culture, building, you know, what they want to do. And you see someone like Rayner, who has, who, who, who did start, and he, he played pretty well in that Kansas City game, and he was a little less effective in that Galaxy game. But you see a player who's been at the club for a few years, like Rayner, and it's just like a slap in the face to them. And I mean, and if there's any players in, if, if there's anyone in the club you don't want to slap in the face, it's the CEO, it's the sporting director, and it's the head coach because those guys are top dogs at each of their positions, basically. So, yeah, it's just it, it, it's a slap in the face. It just makes them feel, you know, almost not betrayed, but I guess just kind of like taken back. Like you know, we've worked hard to really establish something, and the second that they think they have it, they see. Uh, Kamiri, who and the listeners that have listened throughout all episodes so far know I'm not the biggest fan on Kamiri. This just puts him even further into my uh, my not good side, I guess. And Rayner, <laughs> he's very he's very iffy. You know, he has a good game or he has a bad game. And uh, I I I just think that if I'm Panis and if I'm Schuster and if I'm DeSantos, I'm taking this as a slap in the face and I'm I'm making sure this doesn't happen again. Because if because both of these guys are in thin ice. Because I mean, this isn't. This is bigger than a club. This is a global pandemic. It's about safety. It's about responsibility. And the fact that they're not taking it as seriously, especially when they're, you know, models, you know, kids look up to these guys, they're role models. And the fact that they're out there playing uh, and just disregarding, disregarding and, you know, being loose with very strict orders, it's a slap in the face to CEO, sporting director, head coach, and the province of British Columbia, because, I mean, the, uh, Vancouver's and BC's numbers are pretty good if you look around elsewhere to the rest of Canada and you know it's just stuff like that that makes you think like okay really like I know we've got a couple of idiots in the lower mainland but like you you wouldn't expect them to be professional athletes yeah yeah of course um, it's also like I mean going back to your point of Axel Schuster and Mark Panis and even Mark DeSantis again um, like they've done so much hard work to make sure these players feel um, I guess in a way wanted by the club, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they, the club cares for them. They, they do all this stuff for them. They, they were even delivering food to every player's uh, house as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and even the bikes as well. So it's, it's, it's literally a slap in the face, of course, to, to all three of those top dogs because you do so much for, for your players to make sure they're they're staying healthy. They're 
they're they're all right mentally and um and of course they're all right physically as well but when some when the players react like that and they do something i mean as stupid as Camerian Reyna did it, it it really sucks for them so um again hopefully um they learn from it and and hopefully they just prove to not only Schuster, Panis and MDS that they deserve to be on this team but also that they they can behave and they can be an example for for people around them so obviously those guys are hoping for a second chance uh to impress the head coach and the fans and uh the executives at the club and we're going to be moving on to our uh top busts flops whatever you want to call them obviously a lot of these guys were kind of hoping for a second chance, a second shot to, you know, prove themselves, but they didn't get it for whatever reason. Sebastian, do you want to kick us off or should I, you know, take the honors? Uh, I think you can kick us off for sure. Um, do, you, do you want to start off for, with the honorable mentions? Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll do that. So I've, I've got, uh, so basically how I went about this, I looked through uh, the rosters of each year, the White Capture in the MLS, and I just took down a couple of names of like players that I thought, uh, we're going to be better than they were or just kind of players that I knew of and I was hoping more of and they just didn't deliver between injuries or they weren't here long enough or for whatever reason. So <laughs> I got a list of about 20. Um, I, na- <laughs> I narrowed that down to nine and then I got a couple more. So I've got, I've got it was a top pretty seven. Tough. I, I've, it was I've pretty got... tough for me as well. I can agree with you. Like I was looking back uh, yesterday when I was doing the list and I look because the Whitecaps have like this thing on their website where it's like it shows you all the all time players that they've ever had, including like the ones from Whitecaps too. Yeah. And so like I am like I'm still like debating my my choices here because it's it's a really long list of busts that mm-hmm. I came up with and I had to narrow it down to I was only able to narrow it down to six, not okay. even five. So. <laughs> well, to be fair, I do have a, a tie for one of my spots, so I guess I have six as well. I don't really think I, I like took into account like spots. Like I didn't really have like yeah a top okay, five because all five of them were just really big flops in my opinion. So I couldn't really place them into like uh like uh, like for example like who took top spot. I can't really say who took top spot because they were all just I don't know yeah. they just really flopped. All right, so hopping in. So yeah, I've got a couple of honorable mentions. So players that were close but not quite. I've got Breck Shea and Lucas Venuto. Venuto uh, on the team last year never really broke in. He was this nifty little winger, um, had, poten- had a lot of potential, and he was just kind of stuck. Uh, he was behind Theo Bear, Bangura, Jordi Reyna, because he played outside quite a bit last year. Um, he got three goals in 22 appearances, um, but yeah, he just never really impacted the team as much as a lot of fans had hoped because they saw what he did. Uh, with previous clubs and you know what he did when he was on the field of the Whitecaps and it just never really amounted to all that much so I've got Venuto and then yeah Breck Shea I I he he had lots of injuries he missed a lot of chances you think back to the the uh CONCACAF Champions League semi-final against Tigres and it just I, I think he had about 14 chances to finish the game and send Vancouver inevitably, inevitably through to the final. And that obviously didn't happen. Um, yeah, I just think he, he was lanky. He wasn't that aggressive, but he got a lot of playing time. Uh, 53 appearances, seven goals. He was injured quite a bit. So I've got Breck Shea and Venuto as my honorable mentions. Um, and then cracking the top five, I'm starting off with a, a controversial one. Um, I went for Mauro Rosales. Uh, a few Ooh, years back. Okay. Okay. He, he pl- yeah. Okay. Hear me out here. He played for quite. A, he played for Ajax. He played for River Plate. He played for Vancouver's biggest rival, Seattle. And he was, you know, a club legend of Seattle. He was one of the the uh, really dominant, dominant players for a few years down there. Um, came to Vancouver. Lots of expectations. Forty appearances. He only had one goal for the team. Um, he was there was a lot of hype around him, obviously, because he played for Ajax River Plate. And he was like, you know, we, we almost like stole him, I guess, from Seattle. He was, to me, he was just like slow. He was not sloppy, but he was just kind of, he wasn't as technical, I think, as a lot of people were hoping. Uh, Pedro, he had Pedro Morales as his cam for a lot of that time. And 
I think if you can't really benefit as much as a lot, of, he didn't benefit as lo- as well as fans might have hoped for. I know they had that time they had like Kuda Mane, Darren Maddox, a lot of pacey, pacey guys, and Mario Rosales. He he's, he's not a pacey, pacey guy. So I've got Mario Rosales coming in at five. Uh, moving into number four, uh, Joaquin Ardes for the Whitecaps last year. Uh, 16 appearances, never really got on the score sheet that much. He's a, uh, he, he, he I, I liked him. He was a good card to have on FIFA. Um, when he did come <laughs> on, he, he, no, he, he, he was creative. You know, he, he, I've seen him a couple of times twist and turn away from players to create a couple of chances. Never quite worked out for him. Um, so yeah, so I've got our days coming in at number four, just cause I mean, especially last year we weren't, Vancouver wasn't the most, uh, dominant team for scoring so for him to be sitting on the bench and then uh it, yeah it just never clicked with uh our days in vancouver so i've got him at so i've got rosales at five our days at four and then i i love this guy so much when he was playing bernie abini oh. throwing it back this guy i don't know what about him but he was just the goofiest most fun player he he's like a less skilled lucas cavallini he was aggressive in the air he was a little bit slow he had a rocket of a shot uh he had 25 appearances and what only one goal he was stuck uh it was a bit he was pretty far down the depth chart behind montero and eric hurtado um he actually now he still plays at newcastle jets with former coach carl robinson and kenny miller so he's kept that white cap connection strong. But yeah, I I really enjoyed Bernie Abini. I think if he'd got more minutes and really just found his footing a little bit better, he really could have been a strong, strong striker. But it just never really happened. And I think that's a great shame because I loved watching him play. Um, my number two spot, I've got a two-way tie. Uh, throwing it back to the 2011 season. So obviously the white caps inaugural season in the MLS. Omar Salgado and Shea Salinas, a two-way tie. Omar Salgado, he was Vancouver's first overall pick in the 2011 Super Draft. He had 26 appearances and one goal. Um, Obviously, later in that draft, Darlington Nagby was the second overall pick. He went to Portland. And Will Bruin, again, another great player to come out of that draft. So uh, for the Whitecaps to have the first overall pick and get someone who... Uh, only scored one goal in 26 appearances. Not the great. I would call that a flop for a first overall pick. Um, and then tying him is Shea Salinas, who, similar to Salgado, had 26 appearances and one goal for Vancouver. Um, he, he, so the same stats. He had one goal. It was, it was actually a winning goal against San Jose. Uh, but that, you know... That doesn't mean you're not a flop. He was the Vancouver's fourth pick in the 2010 expansion draft, eighth overall. I don't know. I just he 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 had a lot of potential, and he just never clicked. He uh, left the team after one se- uh, either one or halfway through the second season. He it just never really worked for Shea Salinas. So Salgado and Shea Salinas as my number two. And then finally, we mentioned his name a little bit earlier, Anthony Blondell at number one. I, I had a lot of expectations for him. He won. He was the Venezuelan League's top scorer in the season before he joined Vancouver. He had 24 goals and 39 games. Um, that and then the next season comes to Vancouver. Never quite made the impact. Similar uh, to Abini, just kind of stuck a little bit down the depth chart. He had you know uh, players that were picked ahead of him to go on and uh, lead the lines. I guess only really one goal. And yeah, I don't know. I just think that he, he similar to Abini, he, he looks a lot like Cavallini to me. He's a, a little bit slower, but he's very physical and he'll get stuck in. He's, he's great at heading the ball. I thought, you know, if, if we spend all this, and I'll, don't get me wrong, I love Cavallini. I love having him on the team. But I think there is a number of guys that played a very similar role to him in the years leading up to him that never quite got the chance to develop. So that is my top five. Rosales at five, Ardes at four, Ibini at three, and then Salgado and Salinas at two, and then Anthony Blondell taking my biggest flop for Vancouver. 
Wow, that's quite a list. I'll give it to you. That was a good list. Any any surprises or anyone uh, that I think for me the biggest surprise is obviously Mauro Rosales. I mean yeah. I mean stats wise, for for me in my opinion, he he was obviously never the greatest stats wise. Um I don't I, I don't even know how many assists he got, but I'm pretty sure he got a decent bit, contributed mm-hmm. to a bit of goals. Um but I don't know. I, like when I was when I was going to Whitecaps games when I was younger, like I remember just looking at him, looking at him, and it was a time when Morales was actually injured. Um, so like he was really one of those, I guess, uh, number ten type Play players, and he was really yeah. creative. Um, so I don't know. That was, that for me was a big, a big surprise. But other than that, I can I can agree with all of them for sure. Big all flops. Right. So that's my top five of a couple of mentions. Sebastian, who do you have making? Do you have? Yes, yeah, because you said you have six, right? Yeah, I have six, but uh, yeah, yeah, I have six. I, I think I might just like count down top six. Yeah. Um, right, but for me, through. honorable mentions for me um, were uh, Marco Bustos. The mm-hmm. highly touted um, youngster who has been with the Whitecaps, who was with the Whitecaps since the good old residency days. Um, and he he was really hyped up. Like, everyone was getting on his train. He was doing a lot of good work with uh, Whitecaps FC2. Mm-hmm. And he just never really make it, uh, made it. Like, he, he was always hyped up to be, I guess, the next Pedro Morales in a way. And he just never made it. He never made that jump to the first team, really. He was always stuck there with Whitecaps, too. And he was a pretty good player for that team. Um, back in the day, he had quite a bunch of goals and a couple of assists. Um, but he never just he never just made that jump like Alfonso did to the first team. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, he was a big flop. Um, he went on loan out a couple of times to Mexico. And then after that, in... 2017 he um had his um contract um what's it called uh they just they just released him terminated terminated yeah and um and then he moved to okc energy of the usl and now he's back in uh the cpl he was with valor of course last season and now he's uh on this side of the west coast with uh, pacific fc so it'll be interesting to see how he can, I guess, reignite his career a little bit there with uh, Pamaru Ka, another former Whitecap at the helm. Um, okay. Another honorable mention for me was Anthony Blondell. Of course, he was top spot for you. And we all know um, how how bad he really did here. We, we expected <laughs> a lot more goals from him. Yeah. And um, I, I really thought we had gotten like a decent, like proven Venezuelan goal scorer. Of course, it was... It was um, 2017 was the year that Joseph Martinez came into the league with Atlanta. And then we pick up another promising uh, Venezuelan forward. And I'm like, okay, we got ourselves like maybe like a Joseph Martinez guy type of guy, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously he never lived up to the hype. And a lot of fans um, don't really like him, of course. The one goal he scored um, was a tap-in, and yeah. it was all thanks to Alfonso Davies that he scored that goal, and he just goes and celebrates as if he scored, like, the greatest goal that, like, the world has ever seen. Like, as as if he scored the volley that Zidane scored in, in the uh, Champions League final back in the yeah. day. And, and, I mean, we all know that every one of us would probably go over and hug Fonzie for that. So, <laughs> uh, that's Anthony Blondell for you. He is my other honorable mention and i don't really have like a solid ranking for each of these i mean i mean okay, for me okay. they're all just like flops so i guess i'll just kind of name them as i go um so for me um one of the uh major flops one that ben mentioned as well um omar salgado of course this was a guy that gets draft got drafted first overall in the mls super draft in 2011 and we I mean, we all thought like this was going to be like a big moment in Whitecaps history. Of course, this was only the beginning of the big Whitecaps journey. But we all thought, man, like we could probably look back on this and say, wow, we got ourselves like a really good striker. Mm-hmm. Turns out we look back and we probably got one of the worst strikers we've ever, ever had, honestly. <laughs> and that's um, a list. That's a long list, by the way. <laughs> like, yeah, of like yeah. really bad strikers. <laughs> um, and um, I... 
it's it's interesting because I I was listening to um it's a podcast you guys should definitely go check out if you enjoy um listening to MLS stories and stuff like that. It's um called BSI the podcast. It's hosted by uh Benny Philhaber, Zalzizo, and Ike Oparo. They're all three um they all played or are playing in in MLS. Uh Benny Philhaber played with SKC. Uh actually all three of them did Benny Failhaber, Zalzizo, and Ike Oparo all played for uh sporting KC at one point and and now they're Benny Phil Haber's retired. Salzizo's playing with the Landon Donovan's team um, somewhere in California, I think. And um, of course, Ico Parr is still with Minnesota United, but they they actually had Darlington Nagby on as a guest a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. And um, he spoke about how Vancouver was trying to approach him in the same draft to try and like join the team right and for yeah. some reason it just never fell through and it's just a joke that he has that he could have been on the white cast and honestly if we hadn't gone with salgado and we had nagby imagine where we'd be right now we'd probably have an mls cup on our hands so um of course going back to salgado um it's it was a really bad move and he never cemented himself as the player we all thought he was going to be um not even like an eric Hurtado type of striker too so um, he ended up leaving to go to uh, Tigres somehow. He somehow earned a move to Tigres and um, in Mexico. And, and now he's just, I think he's now he's in the lower divisions of USL and stuff like that. So major flop for me. Um, and of course, Ben as well. Moving on. This one might surprise a bit of people. Um, I'm going to go with Brett Levi's. Okay. Yeah, because... Um, I, I remember when I was I was going to a bunch of Whitecaps two games and I was volunteering as a ball boy there. Um, I would I would remember watching all the games and Brett Levi's always stood out to me. Like he was always like I, I don't know like I guess you could say like uh, like an almost like a an Andy Robertson. You know he would always attack yeah. and get forward from the left fullback position. He was also playing left mid at the time, but he eventually drifted back and started playing left back. And he was basically an Andy Robertson type of player. He would always drive forward and he'd get himself a bunch of assists and a bunch of goals. And I mean, to me, when he when he signed that MLS contract, it was great because I was like, OK, we got a guy that can go on and replace Jordan Harvey in the long run. And he's obviously going to get forward a lot more and he's going to provide that attacking spark from fullback. And unfortunately, when he made his debut in the last game of the season in 2016 against the Portland Timbers, he sustained an ACL tear on his right knee, and he eventually needed surgery, and that really did the worst for him because he never really got back to that level of of being the speedy winger or left back that we came to know with the Whitecaps uh, 2 team. So he, he never really got back to playing at that level that he was playing in the USL with the Whitecaps too. And for me, he's just a flop because we all thought, okay, he's going to be like a great player and he's going to honestly just turn up the Jets at the left fullback position. Um, and it never happened. Of course, the last, um, last season was his um, last season as a Whitecap. And he made a couple of mistakes as well. Uh, one mistake that stands out to me was actually in 2018 when he passed the ball, tried passing the ball back to um, um, Marinovic, and it didn't work out, and it ended up in a goal for Seattle. So I remember that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he never he never really got back to the form he wanted to get. He and we all wanted him to get into, of course. Um, he's now um, moving on to better things, of course, in the CPL with Valor. So. For me, he was a major flop because I really thought we had an exciting prospect on our hands, and it's just unfortunate that he he didn't really live up to the standards in that type of way. Um, up next for me um, is I'm gonna get the two the ones that you included and I included as well because I had obviously of course a couple that you included Ben as well. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna get those out of the way so I can go deeper into the other two that I have. Um, so I, I also had Bernie Abini and Joaquin Ardaiz on my list. Um, Bernie Abini for me, he just, um, as you said, he, he seemed like the guy that would always want to like get forward in a way. And you always had like high hopes, like, okay, this guy's going to like do something Mm -hmm. like 
out of this world, like a Kudamani-esque type of player. But he never really, like, had that um, adrenaline or that um, drive drive to really get forward. He always, like, doubted his decisions. He was always a little bit slow. Um, and he did – it's not like he didn't have pace. He did have pace, but he just never knew how to use it. Yeah. Um, and he ultimately lasted only, like – he was signed, like, in the midway point of 2017, but he also left – uh, a year after that, so midway point of 2018. So he never found the success he wanted here. Um, I had high hopes for him. Of course, we already had like a decent front four at the time in 2017 with Montero, um, Reina, Bolaños, and Tachera. So there wasn't really much room for him either. So he really had to step up the gears and try and get involved. But um, he never did. And now he's at Newcastle Jets with uh with Robbo himself and Kenny Miller, so we'll see how he does over there. Um, and moving on to Joaquin Ardaiz, I mean, do I need to say anything else? Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we we've read the stats, we've seen we've seen him play, and it's it, 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 there was there's a couple of no, no I don't say no brainers, but there were a few that we both kind of knew would make the list, and I think this was the one sort of surefire one that we would both be seeing in our lists yeah and i mean i'm also reading here that it said that he was recognized among the the golden boy award nominees for 2018 um and he was also selected to the popular goal.com's uh next generation list of the 50 best u19 players in the world for 2017 oh gosh and and we all thought okay we got ourselves like the next edison cavani or something and or the next Luis Suarez in our in our team, and he, it's not like he didn't have chances. Um, yeah, he did have chances. He was just really unlucky when it came to scoring. Um, but he also just he was almost like uh, in the way he was almost like Bernie Abini a bit as well because he he never really had that drive to get forward or that adrenaline as well. So um, yeah, I mean, thank God he's out of the club. <laughs> Uh, right. And he would he would mostly just spend his time just posting on his Instagram story too. That's so true. he was always uh, on social. Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on to the last two people I have on the list, um, these might be a bit of a no-brainers as well. Um, I have Efrain Juarez mm-hmm. and um, Mustafa Jarjue. Uh, okay. I'm gonna get in to Juarez first um because he was more recent I, I, before you go into I do want to say he was on my honorable mentions and he was the first he was the last person I deleted before reading out this list so he was right there with me yeah yeah for sure because so he, we, we all know he was like he was expected to do great things of course he's coming over from Monterey one of the biggest clubs in Liga MX he trained with Barcelona as a youth for a couple of years as well yeah that too and he played with Scott, uh, with the with Celtic, um, yeah. as well. Um, so he, we were expecting big things of him, and he shows up. He got into like an okay groove at the start of the season. He he was definitely inserted straight into the lineup, and he got into a nice rhythm. But over time, he just kind of like he just kind of lost his way a bit, and. Um, I mean, the one really good game he ever had was the game against Chicago. I remember that game. He was phenomenal, and it really was what he should be playing week in and week out. But um, another game that stood out um, to me for Juarez during his time here with the Whitecaps was the game against New York Red Bulls. And he was he was no good in the first 45, and uh, Robbo ended up taking him off after the first 45. He took him off at halftime, and I think that all just told us, okay, he's out of here. Like, he's not coming back. Yeah. Um, and he also had disciplinary issues. He got quite a couple red cards, a lot of yellow cards as well. Um, and so he just never had it right going right for him, honestly. And um, I think we can all kind of remember the um, – the uh, the comments he made on the final press day of 2018, where he was just went off about the dedication in the locker room and um, about all his teammates, and that just kind of like literally just kicked him out the door out of the club. And uh, you never want to have that type of person who's trying to sp- 
spread that type of energy around the group. So um, it just really went wrong for him. We all thought he was going to be that next, um, that next level player and try and solidify our midfield, but he never was that. Um, so next up, I got uh, Mustafa Jarjue. If I'm not mistaken, he was the very first designated player for the club back in 2011. And it was a big deal, of course, because a DP is a DP. He's obviously going to bring some some, um, some talent and some, some what, what is that, like a little bit of a spark into the team, but <laughs> he was yeah. quite never that. He was anything but that. He played 10 games. He started five of those and never managed to score a goal, never managed to assist a goal. That obviously led to him... Um, getting his contract terminated um, I think only like five months after he he was signed so he was definitely a big disappointment for the team and obviously a lot of people had high hopes for him to be the next or like the first big name in Whitecaps history the first DP to really crush it um, for the blue and away and he was anything but that yeah. so I, I honestly almost forgot about it I'm just reading him now um he was the first African player to sign as a designated player in the MLS, which is, you know, good groundbreaking stuff. So yeah. it wasn't all doom and gloom, I guess. He opened up that door. <laughs> yeah. But that's I that's really so. about it. Yeah, that's about it. Um but yeah, that's that's my list for um for the top top flops in White Caps history, in my opinion. What, what did what did you think, Ben, of my list? I liked it. I I like um Brett Levi's that was the thing the I I wanted to include a couple of not necessarily younger but I think players that came up from the academy there was a couple that I I was debating for not uh, putting them in my top five but just kind of like reading through their stats and stuff and I felt like I was being a bit harsh on them I think Brett Levi's is a like you said you didn't put them in necessarily order so maybe that's sort of more my thinking but um yeah I don't know I think Brett Levi's he. He, he, he it wasn't a successful career for sure with the white caps um i yeah i don't know i think i can agree with you saying that he wasn't the same after his uh his injury in his leg but he um yeah i don't know okay i'm i'm pretty happy with most of that then we had abini and Ardeis the same so and sargados and so um yeah okay no, i'm pretty i'm pretty i can't complain with any of that i don't think you approve, you approve right i approve i do approve okay okay i approve so, of yours too so myself and Sebastian, we, we're going to do one of these uh, at the end of each episode for the next couple of weeks, just a little bit more um, going on, keep you guys a little bit more entertained. I think next week, uh, top Canadian players that the Whitecaps have had. Do you want to go for that? Yeah, yeah, we, we can go good. for that. I'm thoroughly open to that, of course. Got a couple of ideas. So yeah, so we'll, uh, next episode, we'll wrap it up with the top Canadian players for the Whitecaps. Uh, unfortunately, that does mean that we've come to the end of this episode, uh, episode seven of the 90 Plus podcast. It's good to be back, and we might be back with the MLS soon, like we said, if this whole Orlando thing pans out. Sebastian, anything you want to say before we wrap this one up? Um, I mean, I guess just continue to stay safe, guys. Of course, we're going to try and... Um... Um, continue bringing some content out here and there um, in the coming weeks just so you guys can keep entertained. Um, but just continue to be safe. Don't don't pull a Yordi Reda or Jazza Kermiri or anything like that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can get on to the ne- these next couple of weeks. We have, uh, we'll have we obviously get, the, um, get our countdowns out for the best Canadian players um, in Whitecaps history. And who knows, we, we might have something else in store. So we're definitely taking a look at ideas. And if there's anything you guys want to see from us, um, just let us know on Twitter. Um, and we're, we'll be happy to take it into consideration, of course. Um, we're, we're all very thankful for the support we've received. And um, we really want to, I guess, take this to the next level and, and get you guys involved as much as we can as well. So if you guys have any ideas, just feel free to DM us on Twitter or Hit us up uh, at our Twitters, uh, Ben Rigetti. No, Twitter no, is, no, is, no, 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 don't oh. worry. I was introducing you. I was, I was, don't, don't worry, wait, wait. Okay. Ben okay. Rigetti's Twitter is Rigetti Ben. <laughs> Very good. He's and, learning. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm memorizing it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, my Twitter is SebastianP74. So um, if you guys have any suggestions, just feel free to let us know. And 
thanks again for listening, guys. It's been a pleasure to be back here. Of course, we've we've been grinding some schoolwork, but now it's great to be back. Yeah, I think Sebastian pretty much nailed it there. Uh, the podcast Twitter is at 90 plus podcast. The rest, uh, mine and Sebastian. Sebastian just said. Um, yeah, maybe we'll see if we can get another FIFA stream going in the next week or so. I know uh, we got some good feedback on that. I had a lot of fun making it and beating Sebastian four games in a row. So we'll see. Okay, okay, okay. But, but the thing is, I beat you like crazy the other day was it 4-1 that i beat you the other crazy day? i wouldn't say crazy you i mean it was me. pretty crazy yeah yeah, yeah yeah all right how many right. chances we'll, we'll, do you have one okay you know what we'll figure it out on a live stream in the coming in the next little bit we'll uh we'll be tweeting that out from uh, at 90 plus podcast give that a follow um yeah stay safe you know stay healthy stay positive uh, we are slowly getting there. We are slowly looking like we're going to have some sports. Obviously, the K-League's back. Check that out. Bundesliga is going to be back this weekend. Syria in a couple of weeks. Maybe the MLS and the rest of the North American sports. So they will be back then. Me, myself, and Sebastian, we will hopefully be back before then. Uh, we'll get another episode uh, coming out rather soon. But yeah, guys, thanks for listening. Check us out on Twitter. Stay safe. 